0: What's interesting is that I actually read texts from like 2000 years ago, from like the Qing dynasty, and then they have such detailed descriptions of how, of like the types of ghosts and how to deal with them. Like, you're supposed to shoot at them with like a peach wood bow, or you're supposed to like throw dog shit at them to get them to get out. And it's just like the rituals are so elaborate and the descriptions of the ghosts are so vivid that I'm like, I don't think this is made up. Cause like, why would you make this up? Cause it's like written in all seriousness. When I look at that kind of stuff, I'm like, you know, maybe modern day, we have lost the ability to sense some things.
1: Hello, I am Michelle T, and this is Your Magic. Today, I'll be talking to award-winning, best-selling author, Shiran J. Zhao, whose latest book, Zachary Ying and the Dragon Emperor, boasts demons and dragons and a gaming headset possessed by an ancient tyrant. We're going to talk about inspiration, history, and communal spirituality, and more. After that, I'm going to share a ritual to help you conjure an imaginary friend. No, better than an imaginary friend, an imaginary familiar. However, before we get into the show, I really want to give a very loving shout out to our Patreon members. You all help us get this thing made every single freaking week, and we love you, and we thought you should know that. If you want to share in this love, check out patreon.com backslash This Is Your Magic, and get yourself a bunch of bonus workshops and monthly Terra Astrology Moon Scopes, as well as that warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you know you're helping one of your favorite podcasts literally get made. Stay with us.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022,
1: One of my youthful gateways to magic came via the otherworldly creatures and beasts that populate the mythologies of so many cultures, though in my case it was specifically Greco-Roman folklore that lured me in, and specifically, specifically, the Dallaire's Book of Greek Myths. I mean, to know these iconic illustrations is to be enchanted by them as well as haunted. I will never unsee the drawing of the sea monster rising up from the waters to gobble Andromeda, It looks like a big potato with beady yet long-lashed eyes and a sensuous human mouth. What the fuck? The image is literally seared into my psyche, so well done. There's the hydra, which is like a super extra snake. There's Cerberus, the three-headed hound guarding the gates of the underworld. The sphinx, of course, that sexy lady-faced beast, cool as a cucumber with a head full of riddles and a murderous appetite. Party animal Pan, skipping about on his hooves, tooting a flute. Those early feminists, the snake-headed gorgons. As much as I was delighted by goth Persephone and foamy Aphrodite, for me, the beasts took the imaginative possibilities to the next level. Why do we humans feel the need to create these otherworldly bestiaries? Because we all do, all of us, on every continent. I mean, forget about the leprechauns. Ireland has, you know, the fairy people, the wailing Deathrock Banshee, the snouted, red-clad Fardarigs. Japan gave the world the Ushioni, a spidery sea monster with the head of a buffalo, and also the Kasa Obaki, which are a bunch of haunted animated umbrellas. And don't forget the Akanami, who love to clean a dirty bathroom with their tubs. They are actually welcome at my place anytime. We North Americans are familiar with the ghostly, tormented La Llorona of Mexico, as well as the country's livestock-chomping chupacabra. China has the bloodthirsty giant Xing Tian, who simply grew a face on his torso after his head was decapitated in battle. No big deal. There are the Arab elemental shapeshifters the Jin, and the leaf-wearing African Iloco who will eat you. Of course, I'm only scratching the surface. While the cryptid Dujor may be the high femme unicorn, who knows, maybe their reign is destined to be usurped by a buff Filipino Tikbalang, horsey head, horsey limbs, John Cena body. All of these mythical critters come charged with centuries of storytelling. They are infused with fear and wonder, sadness and thrill. They all possess interesting powers and characteristics that lend themselves easily to metaphor they feel perfect for involving during magical rites for a hit of imaginative animal oomph. Here's Giran. Giran, thank you so much for being on your magic.
0: Oh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah.
1: You write about magic. I mean, you have magic in your work. And it makes me really want to know, like, what's your relationship to magic off of the page, like in your daily life, if you will?
0: So unfortunately, not that much. I think I didn't really believe in it in any, like, spirituality or magic stuff until I, like, met a bunch of Southeast Asian friends. And then the stories they tell me, just, like, I cannot doubt them.
1: Really? Like, what kind of what kind of stories are you hearing?
0: Just, like, they regularly see just, like, ghosts and stuff and all kinds of, like, creatures. Like, it's, like, so haunted over there. And I just, like, I, I cannot doubt it. In China, we kind of grew up very atheist just because the it was the government doctrine. The Chinese government, like... <laughs> They ban, like, spirituality and that kind of stuff. So, like, most people are really non-spiritual, most people are pretty atheist, but still, like, sometimes we go to the temple and we pray to gods, but I don't know if anybody actually, like, believes in the gods. But, like, spirituality is not very strong in China. But then I hear stories from my friends in, like, Southeast Asia where, like, spirituality is much stronger. And yeah, just, like, I can't doubt them. So now I, like, I believe there's, like, magic in Southeast Asia. I don't know if there's any magic in China or, like, uh, North America, but we'll see. It's so interesting, you know, I feel like
1: obviously not everybody has a drive to be spiritual, but like, I feel like a lot of people do have it. And so it is one of the human drives. And so I wonder about like in a culture like China, where the government is outlawing spirituality, are there sort of underground spiritual, mystical things happening? Well, for
0: sure. I mean- there's the whole like Falun Gong right, um and they they call that a cult, which um, but they the practice a sort of spirituality, but the the conflict is a little bit complicated because like the Falun Gong are not like all innocent either because like the cult is kind of shady. like the cult founder he, he's shady, yeah, but also they probably shouldn't be persecuted to like death by the government for just like believing things. so it's it's a complicated situation. I do feel like spirituality requires a more communal aspect to like really be strong. So in North America I believe that like Native American communities they experience a lot more spirituality than, you know, the regular like white settlers. And I feel like in places like New Orleans, Louisiana, for example, probably there's just this like aura of spirituality that is much stronger than other places.
1: There really is. What do you know about your astrological makeup, both your Western and your Chinese astrology?
0: Oh my God. I don't know because I have two birthdays. There's a government official one and then the f- a fake one that my parents put on my birth certificate because they wanted me to get into school one year early But I think legally I am a Virgo, but in actuality, I am a Libra.
1: Wow. So you're a legal Virgo. Yeah. But a true Libra.
0: Yeah. But I think like my personality is closest to Scorpio. Like, can you identify as a Scorpio?
1: Sure. And you know something? There's so much going on in any one astrological chart. Like, you very much might have other things in Scorpio. So, yeah. I mean, if you're feeling a big Scorpio pull, it's probably. True to something In your makeup
0: Yeah I truly do feel I I like identify As a Scorpio Because I don't feel Any connection To Virgo or Libra
1: Really? What about Scorpio Feels more um, accurate For you?
0: I don't know I think just like The vindictiveness I love pissing people off people. Ho- okay, I love pissing off people who have wronged me like those people like before I was published and they were like assholes to me. Now I'm just like, oh, I hope you see like all that I am achieving. I hope you are like hoping and seething.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That is very Scorpio, as a matter of fact. um, I love that. I mean, living well, it's the best revenge. Having success. It's number
0: one. I know. Yeah, that's That is the revenge that I get. Like, I don't actively go out and get revenge on some people. I just know that there are people out there who hate my guts. But still, they have to, like, see me just, like, rising higher and higher in my career. And I I just know they hate it.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I really want to ask you about what inspiration feels like to you.
0: Sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. But the, the thing is that when inspiration comes to me, it kind of, like, grips me. And I can't do anything else until I get it down. And I definitely feel like it's it's coming from somewhere else. (laughs) Where do you think it's coming from? Do you ever have you ever thought about it? I don't know. Probably like there's it's some kind of like muse. Like some people believe that like they're they just these stories out there and then if you don't grab onto it then someone else is going to. And then that just that makes me freak out because like that's my number one fear that I write, like work on something and then just before I submit it I discover that someone else got a book deal with the exact same plot. That's my number one nightmare.
1: I was just thinking about how you write characters that are based on historical figures who like really existed in history and I'm just wondering if you ever felt like a closeness to their energy or like like you were channeling them or like they were around you.
0: So I visited the tomb of the first or the mausoleum of the first emperor of China. And then he is like the co-star of my book, Zachary and the Dragon Emperor that just came out. Then when I was in his mausoleum, I went down this like um, small hidden path and suddenly everything got like so cold. And I was like, whoa, what is going on over here? And I definitely felt like... There was like some kind of like unearthly energy um, there in the mausoleum, and I was just like walking alone for this gigantic stretch, and it was it was so cold. And in Chinese um, culture, we do believe that like coldness is more associated with like the underworld and stuff. So yeah, uh, the coldness just freaked me out a little bit. Where does the um the like the
1: Chinese belief in an underworld does it come from, like? a spiritual like mythology that pre-existed the government's ban on spirituality.
0: Well, for sure, it pre-existed for like a thousand, like thousands of years. And even now, I think Chinese people still pretty strongly believe in in reincarnation. I think I believe in reincarnation just because, you know, even though um, it doesn't make scientific sense, it makes sense in my head. I'm just like, yeah, of course, reincarnation is real. And yeah, for thousands of years, Chinese people have believed in this like underworld and ghosts. And what's interesting is that I actually read texts from like 2000 years ago from like the Qing dynasty and then they have such detailed descriptions of how of like the types of ghosts and how to deal with them like you're supposed to shoot at them with like a peach wood bow or you're supposed to like throw dog shit at them to get them to get out and it's just like the rituals are so elaborate and the descriptions of the ghosts are so vivid that I'm like I don't think this is made up because like why would you make this up because it's like written in all seriousness when I look at that kind of stuff I'm like you know maybe modern day we have lost the ability to sense some things I think that that
1: could be completely true if you could have one like mythological creature actually be real which one would you pick
0: I think I would like a Chinese dragon because like Chinese dragons are not vicious they're just there to bring water and like control storms and stuff so it'll be nice to have some control over the weather
1: Have you ever had a tarot reading? I have not. I have a deck of cards right here. I'll read your tarot cards. Okay. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you have something that you'd like to know about, they're really helpful if you're deciding between multiple options or multiple different paths, or if you're like, what's the energy around that thing? Like, these are all ways of using the cards that can be illuminating.
0: Okay. Should I move to Europe? perfect oh my god that's perfect where are you right now vancouver canada
1: okay cool so you're in vancouver should you move to so what i'll ask the tarot is what does it look like if you move to new york would you be oh, I mean, you moved... in
0: europe not new oh i'm york. sorry not
1: new york I, what would it look like so what i'm going to ask the tarot is what would it look like for you if you moved to europe what part of europe are you looking at a certain area a certain country
0: area um probably even either northern italy or southern france wow okay very cool
1: what is there a particular are there towns or cities that you feel especially drawn towards
0: uh you know i like venice but i don't know if i would want to live there so i'll probably have to do more research about this but yeah basically i am tired of the new world i want to go back to the old world
1: (laughs) okay my gosh i love that it's my final shuffle no I'm so sorry. I really want it to be a yes. Your very first card is the death card.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Not necessarily a bad card, right? I mean, death in the tarot is really a metaphor for transformation. And often when the card comes up, it means that there's one of yourselves is dying. Like a piece, there's a piece of yourself that can be left in the past. You know, if you just think that we're always like growing and we're always morphing into new people, but sometimes we carry like old habits around with us from the past. It's it's very psychological. So it's not necessarily bad. It can actually be really incredible. But the cards that you have with it don't inspire me. The very first one is the Princess of Cups. So this is a court card. You know, it's very much like a deck of playing cards. It's like one through 10 with the four suits. And then there's like the court cards. So court cards just aren't, you know, if tarot cards have worth the major arcana, like the death card, they're the strongest. And the court cards, the people are like the weakest. So to get a big, strong vibe like the death card, I want a lot more information around that. And so to have the tarot spit out a little piddly princess of cups at me. I just feel like it's not enough, you know? She is a very sweet card. She is open. She's open-hearted. She is really in touch with her emotions. She's not controlled by them. She is gentle with herself. It's a really lovely card. So I was like, okay. But then your last card is this guy here, this Prince of Swords. He, you know, he's in this chariot. The chariot wants to move forward, but it's being pulled by these little weaklings. They cannot pull his chariot. To his credit, he's recognized it. He has a sword. He's ready to slice through the reins and try something different. But this is a card of frustration. So there's just, you know, and one thing I really want to say about tarot is it's all about timing. Like, this does not mean that it is your destiny to never live in Europe. Absolutely (laughs) not. If it's in your heart to live in Europe, then I believe you should and you will live in Europe. But is that something you should be working towards right now? No, you shouldn't. For some strange reason, you should not be working towards it right now. It's not... I would say it's a no. Are there other places? Are you feeling a little stir crazy in um,
0: Vancouver? Or are you just wanting to... New York, Sorry. actually. I have had some thoughts about moving to New York, but probably I would do, like, an extended vacation in all these places first before I, like, decide to move. But also, I don't... Like, even if I move to a place, I don't have to, like, stay there. I'm fully mobile. I don't need to like settle down for work or anything. It's
1: one of the beautiful gifts of being a writer. Um, Uh Yeah. And, you know, and we're never stuck anyway. You know, we can always make new choices and and change our fortune and our future. So I'm I'm shuffling right now. It's so funny that you say New York because I, you know, did that flub when I was like, should you move to New York? And you had just said Europe. And I was thinking Europe, but I was saying New York. So it was very strange. So is New York calling to you? Should you investigate what would it look like if you started investigating and opening your mind towards living for a bit in New York? I gotta say, I always wanna to go to Europe and then I end up going to New York instead. And I'm oh like, Oh, this is just as good. This is just as good, if not better, it's the best city in the world. Oh Cheeron, you've got to live in New York. It's oh calling you. You got the Emperor. You got the Princess of Disks. What the hell? She's a good one. And then you got the Fool. And that is what I'm really the most happy about these two major arcana cards because they're majors. We love the majors. But also they support each other in such a great way. I mean, the emperor is sort of like he's like the king. And I don't know. I'm just thinking like, here you are kind of at the top of your game. You could go into New York and like it just seems like the city would roll itself out for you. Like you would feel like you're you're just so alive in that town and there's so much opportunity available to you in that town for you just to grab a hold of. It's just such a strong card of like leadership and success and energy and activity. The Fool card, he's just jumping off the cliff. He doesn't know what what the hell he's doing. He's like, ah, I just, you know, this is the guy who moves to New York because he's just like packed a knapsack and hopped on a Greyhound bus. And he's just going to like arrive there and like figure it out. You know, it's that kind of energy. But it's also wonderful energy for relocating because it's just sort of like, I trust the universe. I'm just going to have an adventure and I just trust the universe is going to catch me and break my fall. And I'm just, you know, on the path I'm meant to be on. So he's very spontaneous and trusting. But then you also are backed up by the emperor who's like, established and has it together so it's a really great it's a great combo you know new york can be a hard city to move to but it will not be hard for you is what i'm seeing and also princess of discs so i just talked a little bit of shit about the court cards but i like her popping up between two major arcanas and she's telling a good story here the princess of discs she's earth and I like an earth. I like to see earth in a relocation reading because you're moving to a different part of the earth. You want to see can I ground here? What will I look like sitting on this part of the planet? Um the princess of disks has been through a lot. You see this tangle of trees behind her. Like she's had a fucking journey and now she's pregnant. So oh it's this God. idea <laughs> it's this idea of like wow, like you you know you you are hardy you are you have survived a lot and now you have like a new thing to kind of give birth to in the world you have a new thing that's going to be born of a particularly trying path that you've been on so i don't know if you have a particular project that you imagine digging into in new york i wouldn't be surprised if you're hit by a very specific muse while you're in that city with that energy, but it looks really good for you. It looks really lovely.
0: Okay, so definitely don't move to Europe. Move to New York instead. Don't
1: move to Europe.
0: Don't move to Europe. Do
1: you want to pull cards on like what it looks like just to remain in Vancouver? Or you're just like, I know what that looks like. I don't need I don't need that.
0: Okay, sure. Yeah. What would it be like to remain in Vancouver?
1: Yeah, what does it look like for you to just stay there for now? Okay. It's definitely not bad. It's way better than Europe. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely not bad. Um, you have the Knight of Cups. Your fa- your family is your family there? Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, this is like a cancer and cancer really rules family. So there's just like a lot of love for you there. There's a lot of like emotional stability that's there for you. It seems like maybe the city itself loves you or you love it. There's just like a, there's a lovely exchange of energy. But at the same time, then you have the four of cups, which is luxury. And it's like, well, everything looks really nice, right? And this, these four cups, they look very pretty, but the water's choppy. So there's this sense of like, I don't know. You know, knowing that like your family's there and you've been there for a while, I'm guessing.
0: A long while.
1: A long while. That's what I thought. So you know, I think the danger here, the choppy water, isn't that like suddenly your life in Vancouver is going to fall apart. It's probably more like you're just going to get so bored and just like find yourself at the end of your rope, just needing a break or needing a change. You also though have the Ace of Cups, which is about a new a new beginning, a new connection. Um. So what I think, looking at these two together, the the Four of Cups with its a bit of a warning, and then this beautiful Ace of Cups. I think that if you did stay in Vancouver, you need to do something to change it up you need to do something to like you know like you need to renew your vows you know to to Vancouver something that kind of makes it feel a little bit different or a little bit renewed to you I mean we've all been locked up for so long just getting to leave the house feels like we're in whole new cities probably a little bit but it's like if you do stay there I'm just seeing this as like you you really need to commit to it in a different way to make it more emotionally exciting for you to be there does that make sense
0: yeah that totally makes sense and I feel like that is true because you know I feel like (laughs) I've gotten everything that I've I could out of Vancouver it's basically it's like a retirement city but you know I am definitely not ready to retire
1: Okay, so obviously we all know what a familiar is, our special animal friends who hang about and add their wild vibes to our lives and our magic. And we are familiar with the concept of the imaginary friend, right? Apparently I had such a bestie when I was quite young. I have no recollection, but my mother recalls Rufus and I being quite close. Now, what about an imaginary familiar? Inspired by Shiron's dragon to think about mythical beasts really inspired me to see if I could use tarot to divine who my special monster might be. The hardest part of this challenge, which I dare you to try along with me, is narrowing down your beasts. There are so many. I'm going to start by asking the tarot if my imaginary familiar is an earth creature, a water spirit, a fire-adjacent beast, or an airborne creature. I'm using the Marseille tarot for this because we'll be looking at the minor arcana and I like that simple pared down illustration. Plus, I think it was made during a time when people still actually believed in these mythical creatures. Shuffling and asking what element does my imaginary familiar belong to, I then draw from the top, discarding any major arcana. I pick the three of wands. Fire! My next challenge is to try to come up with ten mythical creatures associated with fire. The mythical fire-dwelling salamander, which predates Harry Potter by a couple of hundreds of years, is one. The phoenix bird of Greek mythology. Your classic fire-breathing dragon. Okay, what else? The devil famously lives in a fiery hell. Ooh, the chimera is a lady beast with the behind of a dragon but the front of a lion and the midsection of a goat, and she breathes fire. I'm halfway there. There's the huma bird, the phoenix's Persian cousin. The really lovely Japanese kirin is part dragon, part deer, and yes, breathes fire. Three more to go. The boitata from indigenous Brazilian folklore is a snake made of pure fire with a 100 eyes on its back. Jins are also said to be made of fire, so they're invited to the party. Finally, we will end with the Chilean Chirufa, a man-eating monster made of crystals and lava. Impressive. I'm numbering my fire creatures one to 10 in the order I listed them. Now I shuffle, asking the deck who is best suited to be my imaginary elemental. It's fun to keep picking through the cards and looking for a wands, the suspense grows. And finally, I have one, the four of wands. What was my number four again? OMG, the devil totally figures. Actually, I'm doing this reading on the fiery Sagittarius full moon. And this morning when I gave myself a proper tarot reading, it had said that I need to channel the devil to bring balance into my life. If you can believe that. I guess my altar is about to get especially satanic. Once you learn you're familiar, have some fun learning more about them. Give them some space on your altar. Channel some of their more helpful qualities during meditation. I invite you all to try this playful reading, and if you do, please share with us who your new imaginary familiar is. I'm dying to know. That's our show. I hope we stimulated some part of your mind and spirit that likes fantasy and animals, make-believe, and mythology. The history of human imagination is infinite, so full of inspiration for inventive ways to engage with our occasionally too real modern lives. Set your inner baby witch loose on a pegasus or something. Thanks for tuning in to Your Magic. You can support us, plus get access to all of that bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. Another thank you to those who support us. Every dollar makes this happen make sure you follow us on twitter and instagram at this is your magic and subscribe to our newsletter at ThisIsYourMagic.com. join the your magic community at discord at the link in the show notes you can rate us and subscribe right here on spotify do what you have to to never miss an episode you can email us at hello at this is your magic.com we would love to hear from you your magic is ben cooley me michelle t molly elizalde Tony Gannon, Vera Blossom, and our production intern, Kirsten osai Bonzu. And our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening.